Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I am Ben Duncan, and this is a place where prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana share their stories. This episode is sponsored by our friends at Flow Republic. Flow Republic is the elite Salesforce Academy, helping architects all over the world to realize their goal of becoming a Salesforce certified technical architect. The success that architects are having with Flow Republic is incredible. So if you are on your journey to CTA, then I highly recommend checking out flowrepublic.com to understand how they can help you. In today's episode, I am joined by Gaurav Sood, a Salesforce Certified Technical Architect and the Head of Engineering and Architecture with Ingenuity in Sydney. Through this episode, Gaurav shares why he pursued a career in IT and what the first decade of his career looked like before he found the Salesforce ecosystem. He explains how he first came across the Salesforce platform and what he initially thought, and then how he became much more aware and interested in the platform's capabilities later in his career when he was working in an integration architect role, working with MuleSoft, but in a Salesforce environment. Gaurav then actually joined Salesforce without having worked in a Salesforce role himself. So he explains what this was like and how he was able to get up to speed quickly with their internal training programs. Gaurav talks us through how he went from no Salesforce experience and zero certifications to Salesforce Certified Technical Architect within three years. He talks about the challenges that the CTA presented and how this journey evolved for him. Finally. Gaurav talks about his new role with Ingenuity, why he chose it, and the skills and capabilities he hopes to grow and build within the practice over time. I hope you enjoy the episode. Gaurav, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm good, Ben. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. I think it's an awesome opportunity. No, my pleasure. Yeah, so obviously we know each other reasonably well. I know your story, but I'm, I'm really excited to share your story with our audience because I think it's quite unique and yeah I think some people may have a different perception of your background to the reality so I'm keen to go through that and share more about your story. So starting off um, I guess right back at the beginning and way before um, you found the world of Salesforce can you tell me a little bit about what kind of piqued your interest in working in IT and the kind of career path you initially planned to take? Yeah definitely I think um, yeah I'll possibly go back to my childhood where I thought about really getting into engineering I actually come from a middle class family in India and the whole goal of a middle class family in India is to get the kids on the learning journey or in, or study path and so that they can get settled and get secure a good job and that's exactly what my parents were thinking in the lines and the guidance was that okay I get on a path where I can do something better for the life. And I think where I am today is completely credit goes to my parents and the family who were able to support me. And the journey goes back to nearly like when I was in year eight. Until uh, year eight, I was like doing okay in the school, going back to back and going well from the normal education perspective, right? And at that time, when one of my cousin actually came over, she actually did her engineering at that time. I'm talking about 95-ish that time. So she came over, she did engineering, and then she actually got into Indian Army as well. So I was like super impressed the way she has gone through her whole career itself. And I got inspired from her that, okay, yeah, that's an awesome journey which she had. I wanted to learn a little bit more. I actually understood that, okay, she went through the engineering and to get on engineering, it's more of that, okay, I have to get on mathematics and science has to be super strong. So which I was already doing, but schooling was in Hindi medium, actually, in India. So it was not in English. And I was told that, okay, you, engineering happens in English medium. So you've got to really change your technique and change your ways and learn about how the whole education system will reflect on it. So I actually spoke to my mom, literally, and I said, okay, mom, I have to go you will have to come with me and speak to the principal of my school. And uh, we have to convince them that, okay, they're going to allow me to sit in this school in English medium. In the Hindi medium, I'll sit in all the exam in English. Because I was doing very well from past few years and my principal said, yeah, if you want to do it, yeah, try that. And that's your career if you want to go for it. But I want results. That's what I want. I was like, yeah, that's okay. Let's figure it out. So in the whole daytime, I used to study in Hindi and learn all the curriculum in Hindi with all the other students. In the evening, I used to go and get extra coaching to understand the same concept in English as well. And then whole year I did that. And I actually set up my base foundation very strong in maths and English. And I still secured first position in my class for eighth and ninth. 
And that helped me to prepare my base that, okay, I was able to get a strong foundation at that level. At that time, I was like, okay, yes, my direction is clear. My pathway is clear. And I have to get into a good college. So I was fond of bikes. So I actually challenged my dad. Dad, I really want to get that bike. My dad said, okay, yeah, why not? We'll get you that bike. You clear your competitive exam. As soon as you clear your exam, we're going to get you the bike. I was like, yeah, that's okay. I'm going to do it. I know. So I studied hard year 11 and year 12. And the competitive exam, it came out. The day the results were out, I was actually in hospital, unfortunately, with him. He was in hospital and uh, he saw the results and he was like in tears and he said, okay, I'm just calling that agency and uh, you just pick up your bike, whichever you want. I was like, okay, let me do that. <laughs> so, so uh, that was like the motivation or a goal setting for me to really achieve one target. So that's how I got into a good college where I could have performed well and then set up my whole strong foundation and you won't imagine I was, I actually spoke to a few friends and uh, they said, oh, 2002 was the year. These days you should focus on electronics and communication. That's the area to, to work on and that's the area which will boom. And I was like, yeah, that seemed promising. Nobody was able to give me direction or computer science would probably would be the right thing to do at that time. So I gave preference that, okay, electronics and communication is my first preference and the computer is science as my second in the college. And based on the rank, I got into computer science. I was put on hold in electronics and communication branch. I spent a few months in computer science and then I got promoted <laughs> based on my rank. Someone left in electronics and I went to electronics. So whole four years, I actually did my engineering in electronics and communication. And it was like I went through, enjoyed all the journey and uh, final year, I was a whole set of companies came over uh, into the campus for recruitment. And uh, one of the company was Infosys. So, and that was my first interview. And I went through the whole process and I got the job. And I, I called my dad that, okay, I got the job in, in this particular company. And my dad was like, again, in tears <laughs> after four years, <laughs> similar situation. And yeah, and that's how I landed in my first job and set up my path strong with the strong foundation into IT and of course with, with all engineering all different subjects I went through uh, different programming uh, of course I was in electronics but I was still doing a bit of C, C++ extra hands-on doing a bit of uh, training as well to to get through the track so that helped to set up the strong foundation and build up the good and trust within within IT. So what was your when you joined Infosys then what was your early career like what did you do there? So Infosys is very specific in terms of uh, when anybody and they hire from like they do bulk hiring from different campuses and different colleges, right? And they hire based on the needs of uh, which particular technology they would want to put these particular people in. They actually recruit high, bulk and then eventually they put all these different uh, candidates into different training tracks. In 2006, they put me into Java and uh, that's how I learned Java. Again, they pick people from mechanical or electrical or computer science and electronics. And then they say, okay, uh, now that's a pool. Everybody will go through the training. People who have who have done advanced education, they might skip few particular parts, but everyone will go through the training. Mm -hmm. So that's how I got introduced to Java. And um, I was um, into uh, communication and media track where my first project was with one of the telecom company. I think, uh, I don't remember now, but uh, that was one of the company where I actually started building Java application first. So Java and J2E was my uh, strong area and uh, based on my background in OOPS and big background in C++. So yeah, yeah, that was the stepping stone towards that. So you stayed with Infosys for eight years, I think, which uh, you don't really see that kind of tenure now, especially for people that are, you know, in their first role, um, to, people tend to kind of start and, and, you know, stay for a couple of years and go and find something new. So what kept you there for so long? Yeah, that's the motivation behind staying at Info, um, Infosys for that long was to, because I'm from Chandigarh uh, in North India, and uh, my job was also in Chandigarh. My parents were in Chandigarh. I built a good circle there. My good connections were there. And then at that time, I was like, okay, I'm doing very well from my growth perspective. My whole stream of learning is going very well. Uh, my friend circle is pretty good. My family is close by. Moving, relocating was felt like so much pain at that time. 
So I thought, okay, maybe it's a good thing to maybe stay at that particular location for a few years. And then when I spent a few years, I actually found my partner there in Infosys itself. And we were together. My in-laws were again in the same city. So I'd never felt like, okay, I should actually take a strong move to really go out. And that's one of the reasons I actually spent like five years. And after five years, uh, I got an opportunity to go to France for three, four months uh, for one of the engagement. I went there. I really, that was the first time I went out of North of India. I never went out from North of India before that ever. So I learned new culture altogether, learned new language, met so many people over there, looked at the world from different perspective. And I was like, okay, I think this is, this is awesome. And I spoke to my manager that, okay, I want to take a few, few of these kind of opportunities again. And I actually was lucky enough to, within six months, uh, able to pick up a project in UK. And I spent, uh, I was in Ipswich, British Telecom. Uh, spent two years there. So that was like a time when I actually enjoyed a lot. And best thing was I was able to not only like enjoy the culture, enjoy the location, but uh, the work also. Because from work perspective, it was like we were actually building whole field service cloud, field service lightning itself, custom on Java with Angular JS kind of framework, Backbone JS. I'm not sure if you would have heard that before. So Backbone JS was the front end. Java was the middleware with Oracle Service Bus as a middle uh, middleware. Sorry, Java was the back end. And uh, it was connecting to their mainframe in the back. So I was there on that particular program for two years. And I had opportunity to like work across all different streams in, in that particular project. So that gave me like, I was able to work on Oracle Service Bus, explored my uh, potential on middleware. Uh, Java was already, uh, I spent like seven, eight years at that time. I was working as a team lead to really get that project going. And then Backbone.js JavaScript framework was uh, first time I actually explored in that particular project. So it was awesome experience to have where I could really explore my breadth of technical uh, stack altogether. So that was like two years and... And I felt like, yeah, I would want to stay here and just keep working on it. Two years went by and, and I came back to India. And uh, it was like my ninth year in Infosys. And I spoke to my manager. I said, okay, I have to, I'm migrating to Australia. Do you have any project or anything to really get me going in Australia? And uh, he said, yeah, let's figure it out. And I, with the project, I came over. And then afterwards, things were slow, a little bit hard for Infosys to pick, give me something here. And that was the reason I left Infosys. Otherwise, I could have just worked in Infosys, maybe on another Java application. I could have never got introduced to Salesforce. <laughs> so through that journey, had you become aware of Salesforce at all? Like, I mean, obviously, you were starting to hear about you know cloud computing because everyone would have been. But but specifically, like, did you see the growth of Salesforce and, and take any notice of it, or were you just one hundred percent focused on Java at that time? So I think till 2014, I had no clue about Salesforce. I actually learned about Salesforce from my brother. Uh, he was finishing his uh, degree in Bitspilani in India. And uh, he said uh, that, okay, I'm actually getting an opportunity to do internship with a company called Salesforce. I was like, okay, let me, let me check that particular company for you. And I went on the, went on the website and went through the whole stack. I was like, that seems pretty interesting deal. And I said, yeah, definitely you should do the internship and you will get the relevant experience. And then I actually started exploring. And while doing that, I was like, okay, why someone would want to just create a field object from UI? Because I was coming completely from technical standpoint, right? So I was like, I can do that. It's five minutes job for me to just create a field. And then with the quickly half an hour job, I can just expose that through the web service and I can get it done. I was like, at that time, my mind was not into look at from the business perspective because, and then from dev lifecycle perspective, I was like, okay, it's easy peasy. We can just do it. Why do we want to? And I left it. In 2014, I looked at the platform and left it. And I was like, yeah, that's okay. We'll look at it later. So in 2015, when I was actually looking for the job, I actually got interviewed with the Salesforce. And um, and I was interested that, okay, yeah, definitely. And that was an exact, exact target in marketing cloud oh. stack. So I went through the interview, first round, and the hiring manager was very happy that, okay, I think you are technically very sound. I think you will do well, but you don't have any marketing experience at all. I was like, yeah, I don't have any marketing experience. He said, unfortunately, because of that, yeah, we can't really move forward. And 
now if 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 i look at it i felt like it was good decision for that particular hiring manager that they didn't never pick me up because i would have worked in marketing cloud stack but saying that looking at other architects who actually came from marketing cloud and they came to salesforce go and became cta still and then went through the whole journey all together similar so yeah i think that was the introduction to salesforce but it was like okay it was just a little bit of touch didn't really get feel of what salesforce is what we can do the capabilities and the tech stack we have so yeah and and i left it and i had opportunity to join somewhere else and i picked it up yeah yeah so you went from like i, I mean your career was um, java development for a long period of time team leader then integration architect and then you, you were exposed to MuleSoft as well when you were in Sydney, right? So how did you make that transition from development to architect and, and focusing in on the integration space? And then also, when you first were exposed to MuleSoft, what, what did you think of that? Because my background was Java, and while all different engagements, uh, I was actually able to work on Oracle Service Bus, which I don't know if people use really use that tool right now as middleware or not. But uh, I came from Java background, middleware background, new integration concepts. It was very easy for me to really look at MuleSoft as a application platform, as a service, and look at the technical possibilities or landscape on how integration might actually solve the problem. So it was easy for me to move from there. And from architecture perspective, um, like last two, three years before that role, I was actually playing architect role, technical architect in Java space. So uh, it wasn't hard for me to take on an opportunity, understand what is in that particular platform and then start scrolling out slowly and slowly into the organization. And that was something again within my Pepper Financial Services company where I actually got introduced to like my manager gave me the opportunity to really evaluate MuleSoft as a platform and then I actually had opportunity to really build a team from zero to a couple of people over there set up the whole MuleSoft from start like acquiring product or setting up the first instance and then eventually uh, integrating with the mainframe at that time so uh, that was my first encounter with MuleSoft particularly to learn about it and when I was doing that and Salesforce was getting implemented in the organization so I was actually on the integration stream to connect Salesforce with like legacy systems over there with MuleSoft. And I actually reached out to my hiring and my reporting manager there, who was Atif Saad. I said, OK, it looks like there is an awesome one week training happening for Salesforce integration focused. I really would like to go on that particular training and learn about different integration mechanism. And because I'm coming from that particular background and it'll help the project. So I went there on the training. I just looked at the whole Salesforce platform and the capabilities and different technologies to really connect. Like at that time, Aura was getting introduced and uh, looking at all indication patterns, I was like fully amazed that okay, this platform is awesome where you get a lot of capabilities to do completely config-based implementation versus completely custom implementation if you want to go whichever direction. That was kind of the introduction. And within a few months, I had opportunity to really interview for a role at Salesforce. And again, at that till that time, I had zero expertise or zero project implementation experience in Salesforce because I was still building integration in MuleSoft. So yeah, that's how I got into use to Salesforce and get through the whole MuleSoft implementation at Pepper. So what do you think had changed? Because you mentioned before when you first saw Salesforce um, from a business angle, you came as a developer, like, I can do this, I can build this. Like, why would you configure this? Why? Like, what's the value in this product? Yep. And then you get to a point where you then, you know, you go on this course and you see the value of the platform. Was that just a maturity thing? Like you as an IT and, and architect had matured and, and your thinking had changed? I think mix of both because I saw the platform in like early 2014. I'm sure platform was mature enough, uh, but I didn't get that perspective of the platform because I just looked at one of the devog and I played around with with the few of the objects and the fields and the page layout. And I felt like, okay, yeah, that's easy. That's not hard enough to make it happen. But when I actually get through the training and actually understood ins and out of how different integration patterns can actually are available out of the box with the REST API or with composite APIs or different inbound integration or outbound integration. So it was like platform is given with a lot of capabilities and project or use case basis, you pick whichever integration is more relevant to you. So at that time, my exposure 
two sales was huge second time when i looked at it first time it was very very normal very high level uh, overview of the platform itself which actually helped me to make the decision that okay yeah, this is awesome platform if i have opportunity i definitely i, can, I will pick it up and had uh, when you joined salesforce um, your software already been acquired no not yet Okay, because that role with Pepper was your first exposure to MuleSoft as well. So had you not gone down the Salesforce path, do you think you'd have gone further as a MuleSoft specialist, perhaps? Like, is that how much you enjoyed working with the platform at the time? I actually considered it. I was like, within a few months, I actually, after building a few integrations and delivering the value of those particular integrations within business, I actually set up the whole enterprise services set up in the company. Where business was aware, oh, we are implementing MuleSoft. Business never knew that, okay, they can connect two systems like that in so fast, in less time. So I was actually considering to MuleSoft as my preferred platform where I can grow my career. But at that time, again, MuleSoft was not as big as Salesforce. And um, of course, it was still in the startup phase. And from platform perspective, the exposure which I had on Salesforce within a week of training versus what I saw in MuleSoft, it was drastic difference on platform and opportunities perspective too. That gave me a direction that, okay, yes, I think MuleSoft is awesome. It's not something I won't prefer. I would want to really use that skill for the projects which wherever I go. But Salesforce is the platform where I would like to make the jump. When you joined Salesforce as a technical architect, you, you've not worked in a Salesforce role before. So what's that kind of onboarding and I think it's also important to highlight that used to be quite common in that Salesforce would go out and hire just really good architects and train them on Salesforce. And I think now it's kind of, they probably still do, but what I see of Salesforce is they're often hiring people with experience and, you know, they're looking to take from partners and so on. So going into Salesforce as an architect without Salesforce experience, what was that like? So I think... Um... Given Salesforce professional services, the kind of enablement tracks which exist, the boot camp which you get on uh, as soon as you join, the awesome experience. Well, like I never imagined any company giving an employee six weeks of time to start from zero certification to five certification, give them enough time to like don't deploy to any other project, but let them learn about the platform. I never heard about that in any other organization and that to it on show, right? Offshore Definitely companies, they give enough time to really skill their particular resources and having that track of what exactly you need to achieve, what awesome resources which you have internally available from certification perspective. And I was fortunate enough to really join with a few awesome other architects like Satya and me literally joined on the same day. Satya joined in Melbourne, I joined in Sydney, and we were really talking every day nearly for six weeks to getting through the whole enablement path and getting through the bootcamp. So that gave us very strong base to like, okay, within first week admin, second week advanced admin, platform app builder, sales cloud and service cloud. Five certification within five weeks, we just finished in the bootcamp. And that gave us good enough comfort in terms of, okay, we understand the product now, not maybe to a detail level, but at least we have the basics. And given the expertise which I had from past, from architecture perspective and from integration perspective, that gave me confidence to talk about the right architecture in front of the customer. And that's how I have seen many other architects within Salesforce at that time. Architects coming from different technologies, they get trained and then get ready for the projects and implementation. But I have seen many other architects who who came from Siebel. And Siebel, they already knew the domain. They knew exactly how this whole sales processes and everything works, which I didn't know. But it was all evaluation learning for me during with time. So when you joined, obviously, you tick off those five certs. But did you immediately um, identify, like, did you know what the CTA was when you joined? Was that like an immediate goal or did that come with time? Before like joining Salesforce, in my first interview, I actually met Khalid and Carl. Both were CTAs, strongest CTAs in the region. They both uh, interviewed me for 55 minutes, back-to-back questions, asking all different architecture-related questions. And then uh, after that, I tell, told them, okay, I think my I have heard about CTA. 2016 was the time. And at that time, Trailhead launched the whole pyramid itself. And I told them, okay, I would like to get on that particular track. It seems very promising because I was coming from Java and then Open and MuleSoft, but there was no clear defined. MuleSoft has defined path of like becoming developer to architect and a platform architect. 
but that wasn't really very well established in 2015-16. So Salesforce showed me the whole pyramid. I was like, yeah, that looks pretty solid foundation work. I get through the whole certification. I can hit that CTA certification within maybe two years, three years. And I mentioned that to Khalid and Khalid said, don't worry, you will be ready for CTA within first year. I was like, wow, okay, let's see how we go. And when I did my first certification, got on the project, first year went by so quickly because it was so busy in the projects and I didn't have any opportunity to really study to get on the track of CTA. After spending almost one year, 2018 was the time I actually uh, thought, okay, I think I have to really set a target. I So Salesforce had awesome bedrock badges uh, track. Every architect, program architect or technical architect or a solution architect, they can basically take out time between the projects or during the projects if from personal commitments, if you can manage the time, you can get on the bedrock badges. And then that gives you foundation of getting on the track of CTA. Bedrock badges will not give you, of course, CTA. But it will give you enough strong foundation to know about the platform that you can get on CTA. So I learned about all that. Earlier, it used to be known as uh, PA badges, which is more or less focused on program architects. But uh, with time, it was open to every architect in the team. I looked at that whole bedrock badges journey in 2018. I was like, that looks very awesome. It actually gave me confidence that, okay, if I get on this particular track, I'll be able to build up strong foundation and then we'll look at how long the journey might look like. So just got on the track and I was struggling to really get all the badges, all because too much commitment within the projects. And then uh, it was hard to take out time through your personal life. So, and at that time, a little one was, I think, uh, two years and around 8.30, 9 o'clock, I used to put him into sleep. And then I thought, okay, maybe I have to change my schedule completely. So I actually changed my living style that I used to sleep around 9-ish, wake up at every morning, we wake up at 4 a.m., 4.30 to 6.30, 7 o'clock, I used to study. Every day, two and a half hours, even weekend, even public holiday, whatever it is, I used to wake up four o'clock. So that was two and a half hours dedicated to all this study. And that gave me the basis of, okay, um, continuously I'm incrementally increasing my knowledge in every domain. So that's how I got on the track. And I finished all bedrock badges in, I think, eight months, nine months, eventually. In 2019, by, I think, Jan or Feb, I had finished all badges. And that that was boost for me because I was able to achieve the certifications and I was able to achieve a bedrock badge. Because for bedrock badge, you had to get through the certification before. And some of my friends used to say, oh, which certification is happening next now? <laughs> because every two to four weeks, there was a certification which I used to attempt and get through it. So everybody used to make fun of me. And I'm yeah, just always studying. I said, yeah, that's where I am right now. And that's what I want to do for a few months or maybe a year or so. You started focusing on these badges. So how, how long from the moment you kind of really submitted to your CTA to passing the review board? What was the duration? In Salesforce, we had bedrock badges and then... You talk to your CTA lead, they will find a right relevant um, person or CTA coach for next four to six months, which is more or less your boot camp for CTA. And then you're ready for sitting in the review board. So I was very lucky that Francesco, who was one of my co-architect in first project, we worked together. We had a good reputation to work together. And then we thought, okay, I reached out to him and he said, yeah, I'm more than happy to coach you. So I reached out to him, reached out to CTA lead, Khalid, and they gave me opportunity. Yes, yes, I think you, we can put you in September 2019 review board. And there are a few more fellow CTAs with candidates who are working towards So You might want to talk to them. I was like, okay, who are they? And I got to know there are like nine candidates who were working together. Satya was one of them again. <laughs> so, and Satya and me and few other architects, we actually started getting together and uh, getting through the whole bootcamp. Bootcamp was all about that you have fixed number of like 10, 12 CTA scenarios, which you need to solve and then present to uh, another judge and then get some feedback and improve yourself. So while I was doing that, I actually realized that Whatever I have done last year, I'm starting to forget because whatever I had learned about maybe application development or integration, because in, in CTA, in the mock scenario, judge might ask you anything in any domain. 
So you got to be on your toes for every question, right? So and you need to know every bit. So it was getting a little bit harder for me to really recall everything. So what I started doing internally, I actually started creating a mind map for all eight domains. So application and architect or app or uh, platform developer, integration or identity, like all eight domains. I actually started created one mind map for each and I started documenting all the knowledge over there. And Francesco used to tell me that, okay, I think it'll be great to structure your content in a way which you get through and then you basically open it up internally into the community so that other architects can get benefit of it. So I was like, yeah, that's okay. Let's structure my content, get myself ready. And I took, like I did one uh, mock scenario and I was like devastated off by doing that first scene. I was like, okay, what was that? <laughs> six pages. I couldn't even finish six pages in my two hours preparation. And I don't know what I'm presenting. I don't know what I'm answering. So it was so daunting exercise. And uh, I told Francesco that, okay, I don't think I can really sit in the review board and even read eight pages. It was getting that hard. And he was smiling. I said, yeah, everybody get through it. You will be fine. Don't worry. So I actually started uh, doing a lot of bits in terms of preparing how to read fast. There are a few different exercises I've started doing, creating more mind maps, revising all the content nearly every week, right? So I created mind maps and then every week I used to have a mock scenario either by myself to present myself, present to me or present to some other fellow candidate like Satya or present to another judge. Every week, every Friday, I used to carry those big notes and used to go to the room, present that scenario. And then Saturday, I used to recover from that particular scenario because you get to, oh, I don't know that. I don't know this particular scenario. I don't know this particular section. How I'm going to do that? So Saturday was recovery to <laughs> get through that particular pain. And Sunday used to be, okay, let's get on back. This is the gap. This is the gap. I have to fill this. I have to get through this. And then Monday again, you start working on revising your content. And by Friday, you get through the next scenario. So that happened for five months back to back. It was like that because and nine to five was customer. You can't really skip your project work, right? So and all these bits are happening your uh, time afterwards. Every day was like, I have to get through it. I have to get through it. And slowly and slowly, I think after four months, it was a, it was a time that, okay, yeah, bring it on. You just need to keep practice, practice, practice. And then eventually you get the comfort. After doing a lot of practice, I felt like, okay, whenever judge is about to ask anything, I know exactly where they are taking me. And I know exactly what they are asking and what they're expecting me to say, because they want to hear me calling out all those bits I might have missed in the presentation. It was like that. And then I sat in the review board in 2019. And I was super confident in the morning. I went around 6 a.m. I remember 7.30 was my board. And I met Suzanne in the morning. And I was like super pumped up. I was like, I'm just going to smash it. And uh, the moment I had the scenario in my hand, I was like, okay, let's get through it. And two hours went so quick. At that time, we were uh, used to get only two hours to solve the scenarios. By the end of it, I was like, okay, what happened? <laughs> I didn't finish the scenario. It was different industry altogether for me and uh, I couldn't join the dots fully and I told Suzanne that okay I don't think I actually will be able to get through it she said don't worry this was your attempt presentation is your second attempt when when you're presenting you can fix few things if there are gaps and then in Q&A you can still improve your solution so you still have three chances basically you can do it I was like okay let's go through it so we get through the whole presentation I fixed a lot in, in that particular presentation while presenting something I wrote, maybe it was incorrect, I fixed it. And then in Q&A also, I fixed a lot of uh, solutioning. But again, it wasn't really up to the mark. My dev life cycle wasn't there. So I felt like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't think I'll be able to get through it. I waited for four weeks, but I knew where the result is going to be. I didn't pass in my first attempt. And from that moment, uh, I was like, okay, I have to get through it again. Reached out to Khalid. Khalid said, okay, you got to wait for some time. Keep preparing, don't worry. And next year you will get another chance. March 2020 was the time when I was supposed to attempt the review board. March 17th precisely. Why I'm telling dates? Because dates are very important. <laughs> On 15th March, which was Sunday, we got an email. We like we, I prepared back to back again six weeks from Jan, Feb and March. I was like, okay, I'm going to smash it and we'll see how we go. And March 15th came and all of a sudden we got the email out because of COVID-19, we can't really get through together. 
and all the boards have been cancelled and uh, we will get in touch. I was like, what happened just now? <laughs> that must have been so frustrating. And I was like, I spent so much time again and I managed my life around this particular date and then it happened again. So I just left it. And again, with COVID, all different sort of challenges started happening. And um, a month later, Susan said, okay, yes, I think uh, we might have opportunity to take you on the board in two, three weeks. So let's see how we go. Uh, I said, yeah, that's okay. I'm I'm ready now. I have done what I could have done. Now it's an opportunity to just sit in the exam and, and see how we go. Yeah, and then finally, second attempt, all good. We were we, we were given three hours this time because it was remote, plus the whole scenario was kind of getting revamped, covering all different areas of Salesforce, not only Salesforce, it was MuleSoft or MuleSoft, uh, so Marketing Cloud or other bits. So I think scenario was getting complex and hence all the candidates starting getting three hours. So I get through that particular scenario and after solving for three hours, I was very clear that I'll be fine. So I went through the presentation. Presentation was seamless, 45 minutes, just 30 or maybe uh, 15 seconds before I finished. And uh, Q&A happened. I was like, back to back, all questions were coming very nicely. And I think I finished maybe five minutes before in the Q&A, might be. And uh, I think within seven days, I got the result that, yeah, I have passed. I was like, that's it. Done. <laughs> Do you remember the feeling when you found out you'd passed? Like, do you remember that moment? So again, I um, the habit of waking up at four o'clock. So it was still on. Still, still, yeah. After the exam, still on. So I woke up at around four. I was um, uh, reading some other bits, and uh, around five o'clock, I got the email, and I just opened up. Like, congratulations, you have passed the review. But I was like, wow, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> I'm not going to, so I just immediately went to my wife and like, okay, look at this email. That's the most important email for of my life. I just woke her up and we started pinging all my friends. And uh, yeah, that was, that was the awesome feeling, which I could have actually uh, seen or felt. So that was awesome. So you obviously, it was two review boards, but you passed quite quickly in, in terms of from when you started Salesforce as a profession to the review board obviously you did have a very like strong history with it but specifically do you know what it was about your background that helped with the review board i think while preparing the review board there was a commentary or there was a suggestion or feedback that we received to uh, all the candidates we were told that okay cta review board is not a certification where you basically read the content and get through the exam multiple choice question or other bits and you'll be fine it's an exam more of a t-shape knowledge is required where you need to know the breadth of the content and the depth of the content as well the preparation of this whole particular exam was very important you need to know the technical stuff for sure but knowing what to say when to say when you're talking to a developer versus a tech lead versus architect versus a director or a CIO, CTO in the organization, your communication to that particular person varies and the way you message that varies. That comes with experience. So it's not something will happen immediately. And it's not something which I even got it very uh, easily. After getting through the practice, knowing exactly what to say to different given time is a key. Planning is key. Communication, planning, and then preparation the knowledge itself is all very important. Given the kind of expertise or experience I had in past and kind of experience I was getting through the projects and through the whole program itself, that actually helped me to really get through the review board in two years. From zero certification to 18 certification, I think in three years I was there. Yeah, wow. Well, and now um, you're no longer with Salesforce, you, uh, you've recently moved on. So I'm interested to know when you were thinking about making a change, like how were you assessing opportunities? Because obviously there's lots of companies out there that would have liked to hire you and uh, lots of partners that, that are looking for people just like yourself. So yeah, how did you go through that phase of kind of weighing up different challenges and opportunities and seeing what would be right for you next? Right, yeah. Salesforce is an awesome employer and it gives a lot of lot of benefits to all the employees and all the architects. And I was told when by one of the external person that okay, Salesforce really pampers their architects. It's very hard to really get one architect off Salesforce. And that's really the reality. You get to work on awesome projects and enterprise projects, and then eventually get a lot of benefits. But for me, I think uh, 
the passion of really doing something on my own uh, was something I really wanted to do for many years. So in 2008, I was speaking to my friend that, okay, let's do something together. It's, it's something we can do it now. We have, we can take a risk. And that didn't happen. 2014, I was actually in UK about to finish my engagement. I talked to one of my another friend that, okay, we can do something together. Didn't happen. And then it was last year. Then I thought, okay, I think I'm at a stage where I need to take a risk now to really achieve my dreams. It's such an important time of my life. If it won't happen now, it possibly will be, I need to wait for next five years more. Or maybe it will happen or won't happen. I don't know. After five years. So I told myself that, okay, now last year I have to get started. And then we, my wife expected our second child. <laughs> and that actually plan was again up in the air. So this year I was like, uh, I have to do it now. Uh, it's, it's something uh, I have to make the move. I have the right security in terms of uh, like having a financial security in your family is something I was able to achieve, which gave me the comfort and the confidence that, okay, I can take a leap now. And then that was one. And then secondly, looking at the opportunity size also, I really wanted to start something grow the practice maybe from zero and build up the whole company and grow one particular culture where everyone would love to work something which Salesforce was doing, right? So I really wanted to create something like that. And uh, I was fortunate enough that I actually got introduced to Mark a few years back and uh, we started having conversation uh, this year. And eventually things clicked and uh, I decided to join Ingenuity Partners, which is where Kyle Denshire, who is the managing director, who started the company, and Mark, who joined Kyle Denshire, I think in 2018, 19 times. So the idea was to, why Ingenuity Partners again? Because Ingenuity started with the motive of uh, helping customers from IT and strategy and architecture perspective, where strong area was there from Kyle. I was very keen to work in a company where I can utilize my skill, which I have earned from all the expertise, right? So the idea was that, yes, I think Ingenuity, uh, I know people over there. I know the company kind of work they are doing, focusing on financial services and education sector. Uh, and there was a focus of building product also within the company. And that was something I really wanted to do that, okay, I want to build a small product maybe to start with and then slowly, slowly pivot to a bigger product. All those ticks were happening with Ingenuity and I was getting an opportunity to really grow this particular company. Ingenuity was or is not really a huge company where I won't be able to explore or learn that particular knowledge of running the company itself or work in the leadership team. It's not such a big company or it's not a small company. Hence, I thought, okay, it's a good firm where I can get expertise around the business and then use my skill from architecture to really grow the practice also. So that was the motive. And your um, title is Head of Engineering and Architecture, right? So you're an engineer at heart. Like you come from an engineering background, and obviously you've progressed into architecture over time. Yeah. And I think in the broader ecosystem, if we look outside of Salesforce, like I know architects obviously exist in pretty much all IT environments, but... What I see is a lot of engineers do architecture, like a Java engineer might be a senior engineer and they're still doing architecture and, and they don't have this kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not so such a rush to become yeah. an architect. Um, like why, why do you feel that in the Salesforce world? Because you're going to be managing architects and engineers. And I imagine a lot of the engineers that you manage will want to become architects quite quickly because that's just how the Salesforce environment kind of works. Why do you think that is? Like why is there such this... this um, thirst for becoming an architect so quickly in the South as well? I think um, more or less the focus of um, becoming architect is everybody sees becoming architect as a big opportunity where, uh, of course, from architecture perspective, you get breadth of knowledge. The size of opportunity grows where you get to earn more within the architecture space. But I think maybe it is true, maybe it is not true now these days because developers are also doing very well. Uh, and it's very hard to find developers and senior developers within the space, right? So maybe now it's not valid, but having that expertise in the hand and uh, being able to communicate at that level, they see that as huge attraction point. Secondly, Salesforce is really promoting very hard in terms of getting more architects in the ecosystem, which is the right thing to do because to grow 
in the practice to grow the ecosystem you need there is already huge community from developers perspective there are only few architects so to grow to next level where salesforce wants to go the architect community has to grow as well with time hence it's it's a huge push if you you know you would have noticed architect.salesforce.com uh, the whole portal has come in for best practices to share knowledge to have the right architecture uh, what all different techniques you could want to use what a multi cloud how the multi cloud implementation might look like so there is a lot of push from salesforce also to grow more architects and i think to some extent that's another push for all the engineers to look up to architects yeah and i think that's the role i would want to do but reaching that particular role it it should happen within some time it shouldn't happen like okay you have 4 5 years of experience you have done one integration design you are qualified architect it shouldn't be that way and that's something i me and mark uh, in ingenuity we had been very particular that okay this community we will grow in the company but with the right people with the right skill and we will not really give architects opportunity to everyone where it's an opportunity where one should get only when someone is really keen someone is really qualified someone can perform at that level because otherwise you put people in front of the customer and they don't perform it's a bad reputation for the company and eventually bad implementation design comes along in the projects and which actually gets very expensive to solve later it should be the general practice within the whole ecosystem that Salesforce has already defined the path of getting the certifications, but the expertise should be always tested to become architect. I have seen many people have certifications also, but still the knowledge is not there. Cramming and solving is also not an approach which people should use. I think it's the relevant experience, but doing things by hand is very important to learn. And from a like an engineering standpoint. Now, um, you know, there's lots of Salesforce developers in the industry that don't come from an engineering background. But how much value will you put on broader software engineering skills, knowing how to write Apex and you know the pure um, Salesforce skills? And do you think that's something that's changing in the you know with the introduction of um, Lightning Web Components and and the JavaScript, the, the the frameworks that are coming into Salesforce? Like, do you think you need to be an engineer now and not just a Salesforce developer? I think with with time of course things are changing um with time I have like we have seen from how visual force to aura to lwc the whole tech stack has changed and now with salesforce functions the uh, expertise of writing node js application or a java application and putting that in function is growing slowly and that something is going to happen saying that it it won't happen that okay people will be like salesforce developer role itself will go away because there will always be salesforce development in terms of you will need to do something on salesforce to really automate some business process the expansion of the knowledge expansion of the tech stack has happened already and i think it will happen with time because you can see there is a tight relationship is getting built between salesforce and aws most of the customers has salesforce most of the customers has aws you can set up a private vpn within salesforce and aws you can do integration very quickly between the two platforms and then that gives a lot of developers who are not on salesforce but still ex- able to explore salesforce maybe uh, that's how i got introduced and uh, and other way around also where salesforce developers are not just going to work only on salesforce they might need to work on something on heroku or on aws or build some java application and put it on ec2 container or lambda or put it on salesforce function so the breadth of this particular role is actually growing slowly slowly and which is good for the platform and good for the ecosystem also because with that happening you can see there are a lot of developers who are coming from different ecosystem different technology they're able to really learn about salesforce and integrate and uh, build automation on the platform that's how people get introduced and slowly and slowly make the move towards the platform or if not make the move they get comfortable enough to work across the technologies so i think it's good for the platform and uh, good for the ecosystem but it's getting harder for the developer to keep a tap on both or wide range of technologies i feel like yeah 100% and i do think the expectations of becoming greater like i think you know it's quite rare now for, for to get a salesforce developer role where they just need to know salesforce like you know i think someone that has just stuck to apex and and hasn't explored they're not getting left behind but their opportunities are getting fewer and fewer because there's so much more out there to learn and and we're seeing that you know the people that are in most demand are the engineers that can build 
and build like kind of across multiple platforms or, or be exposed to different things. Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree. I think and that's that's what is uh, going on. I think the overall scheme of work is whatever you do on the platform, if you do it right and with the right mindset from design and architecture perspective, that's awesome. I think one should focus on start building those bits in in their domain. Of course, keep learning multiple technologies to get comfortable, know exactly what's happening. But doing right is very important. I have seen that. I have called it out to so many people that whenever you're looking at a problem statement, look at from end-to-end use case perspective, where your use case might not be just to write Apex class or a test class, but look at from end-to-end security or end-to-end use case or end-to-end user experience, how this might look like. Whatever you're building, is that really relevant? I think questioning the architecture is always going to make the architecture better. And that's what should be a basic role of any developer who might be working only on Salesforce or across multiple technologies. What they are doing is that something really fulfill the problem between that particular use case and how that's going to help. Is that efficient? All those bits are important and that makes the developer role a little bit harder. But I think it's more of um, helping the application to be better. That's the outcome which everyone should be working on. So so aside from the technical skills, as you're building your team, what kind of things are you going to be looking for in a person? Like, I guess the values are important, as you said, do the right thing. Yes, that's one of our value, by the way, in our organization, that getting things done properly, where we value the most in terms of that we do it right for the customer. We don't want to be in a situation where the overall the implementation will suffer later. We would want to do it right in one shot. And we want to have a flexible environment in terms of a playful environment where people can actually enjoy working in the culture. So they are like two primary values for of our organization where we would want to bring in a culture where we get the right skill who are uh, able to help our customers do the right thing first time and have a very flexible and, and good environment, a fun environment to work with. Yeah, nice, nice. If anyone wants to reach out and ask any questions or pick your brains, where's the best place to find you? Yeah, I think LinkedIn is the platform where I'm always active. So feel free to reach out and uh, connect me on LinkedIn. I'll be more than happy to accept any request and uh, respond to the messages. And uh, a nice 4 a.m. Uh, message is likely to get a response. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Thanks so much. It's good to hear more about your journey and uh, yeah, lots of really relevant and important information in there for our listeners. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Ben, for having me. I think it was awesome opportunity. And I was telling myself that uh, I usually hear your podcast, not usually, every time hear your podcast. And this time I'm going to hear myself. So let's see how we go. <laughs> yeah, nice. Well, I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you. Take care. So that's a wrap for this week's episode and thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the chat and if you did, please make sure you have subscribed for future episodes that are coming through. I would also be very grateful if you would consider leaving a review on your chosen podcast platform as five-star reviews will help us to reach more trailblazers from across the world. I look forward to sharing another episode with you soon and thanks again.